You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another rousing edition, a very weird (laughs) edition, unfortunately, today of Relationship Theory. I am your very in good health host, Tom Bilyeu, (laughs) and I am here with my very unhealthy co-host, Elizabeth Diana Bilyeu. What's up, peeps? Who somehow has managed to get sick in the dead of summer, which I didn't know was a thing, and yet here you are, all kinds of sick. We did do a lot of traveling and had a bit of a yes, crazy week. And... Sure. But then we had the whole discussion on whether it's related to the gut biome because I had a really bad stomach That I think one is a day. no-brainer. So traveling, put it all together and yeah. here you get the flu. Yeah. Do you think it's the flu? I had a fever you last night. Do you have night. a fever? Do you have a fever this morning? No, but under these That's lights good. I feel warm. But at least I could not disappoint. I literally was like, I'll go back to bed after this. But I love doing these. Mm. So it's a little selfish on my own part as well. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. So hopefully you guys like it too. <laughs> All right. So this is from last week's YouTube video. Right. Nice. Um, what, do you, what do both of you think of making a list of qualities, physical and non-physical, beliefs, values, and so on, of the person you would like to have a relationship with. How would you both recommend doing such a list, or at least what would you prioritize in the list? And finally, what are the things that make you feel more proud about each other? P.S. Lisa, love your accent. Thank you. Nice. Oh, those feel like two very yeah, different questions. I would say leave questions. the last one, Elle, yeah, and so, then let's talk about the list making. Well, here's what's interesting to me, um, so my, my advice is really like, don't go into something with a bunch of preconceived notions. Like if you walk into every encounter with a human being, like sort of looking on paper, whether they match or feel good or whatever, I think that is a real mistake. Now, despite that, I had a very well known to me list of things that I was looking for that you happen to fit to a T, but I did not go into, um, deciding whether or not I was attracted to you based on that. I didn't go into whether or not I invited you on the first date based on that. Um, It really wasn't until we were quite deep in our relationship and I realized, whoa, like I'm really in love. Like this is something that I'm super interested in, like really committing to that I looked back on the breakdown I had given um, people back in college of what I was looking for and that you happened to match it like to the letter. Um, but it was not at all part of my thought process with you. It was not in my conscious mind whatsoever. And one thing that uh, I see a lot in people is especially now with online dating is you're really making a decision on paper before you make yeah. a decision in real life. And that just wasn't a thing when you and I were on the dating scene. So it didn't exist. So we didn't come up like that. And I don't know, that just seems like it, it's counterproductive to the way that humans actually form relationships, which is you feel something 
for that person. Like it's, and this is the same whether you're interviewing somebody for employment, you're going in to um, interview for a job and decide if you want to work there, or whatever the case may be. You go in and you have a feeling, right? It's my whole notion of the seven second journal, um, which is how you can get good at thin slicing people. Thin slicing is really learning to train. Not discover, not uncover. We know my absolute fiendish hatred of the notion that you look in and discover all this magically hidden material, but you train your instincts um, based on a lifetime of experience. But then at some point in your life, you really begin to take manual control of that. And I think the first part of that is to take stock of where you are currently based on all your life experience and the way that you read people and all of that by assessing how you feel about somebody in the first seven seconds. Literally write it down. Write down how the person made you feel. And then if you are in a fortunate position where you have an ongoing relationship with them, you can reflect back on your seven-second journal of how you felt about that person mm. see if you were right. And that will begin to shape and morph your instinctual response to people over time. Uh, and I think that that's really, really important. So while I had enough self-awareness to turn inward and, and generate a list of the things that historically I had been drawn to... Mm-hmm. Um, I never put that at the forefront of my mind. So if I were very unfortunately to find myself in the position where I was on Tinder and because of um, Reddit... Unfortunate because something would have happened between correct. me and you. Just you because barring you dying or I guess catastrophic mental illness that I don't see coming. Uh, yeah, I never ever plan to be on Tinder. So, uh, But if I were to find myself on that and because of Reddit, I've been able to see like there's a forward slash Tinder and people post like the most sort of horrific or funny exchanges that they have with people on Tinder. Uh, I'm mortified. So I would use online dating for sure if I found myself in that position just because it's, it's such a fast way to get through the numbers. But I would be really, really careful not to draw. Like I would try to cast a pretty wide net yeah. and try to get way deeper into a conversation or something before I would roll somebody out. Yeah, and I think it kind of comes down to really like understanding like for me, it would be the fundamentals of a person versus what they do or what they like. And he put that, right? Their values. He or she put that. Their values. Yeah. I think that was part of the question. Yeah. But even that, like... But like, for instance, like growth mindset, yeah. right? Because there might be something that I don't agree with you now, or there might be something that we're not on the same page, but we've both got a growth mindset, so it means we right. can work towards it together. But if um, I had written everything down on Tinder, I wouldn't have put, I have a growth mindset. I didn't have that language. Right, sure. But I guess if you don't have that language, it means that you're not necessarily there yet. You're not into that world. So would you rule me out? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. But like, I, I agree with the small things. Like, for instance, for me, when before we met, I was like a guy that knows how to like take care of himself, like well-dressed, nice car, <laughs> like presents himself in a really, Uh-oh. right? But, but that's what I would have put down on my right. dating site or whatever um, as my things. Like, you know, nice car, takes care of himself, is neat. Well, after the first date, or on the first date, we walk up to his, your car. My beater car, yeah. And you've got like a massive old man's Buick. And the back seat is piled high with just junk. And you're like clearing out the front seat <laughs> for me. And I'm like, oh God, like that was not what I was normally going after. Right. That was not what I found attractive mm-hmm. because, you know, kind of taking care of your appearance was actually something that was important to me back right. then. 
So if I had seen a photo of your car before we'd gone on a first date, I would have like, oh, he's not neat, he doesn't care, blah, blah. Like, would I have gone on that first date? I don't know. But it was the fact that you weren't embarrassed by it. I think that was kind of interesting enough. And I was like, okay, you held the door open for me. Like, who cares what car you have? You held the door open for me. That was the first time ever I'd had a guy hold the door open. And I'd been dating a guy for four years before that. So would I have given you a chance if I'd seen into like all the little things that your apartment was a mess, that you only had like three things in your entire house? It was tuna, crackers and Twizzlers. No, lies. red vines, red vines. So it's like, again, like I, for someone who didn't have a healthy diet, like all these things would have made a difference. But if I had like made sure like, okay, you have to hit these marks before going on that first date. Like, I don't know if we ever would have gone on that first date. And then within that, I found all these small intriguing things that I never realized existed. But it seemed like you started by saying that you should care, like you should walk in with your list of big things. Just as not in your, your fundamentals of, of who you are as a human being. Like I respect my family. I um, have a growth mindset. I am open to being changed. That's what I mean by like the big things because then it doesn't matter like if you're messy or if you're tidy or if you're broke or if you're rich or if you're smart or if you're uneducated like none of that matters if you've got a growth mindset and you you have like a drive then everything else will come like it doesn't matter to me so I think At this- what but so here's what I heard in the question do you walk in like with that like when I went to the um, the Greek fair and I wore on my shirt, I'm looking for a Greek tutor. Yeah. Like, do you walk in with like something pinned to your shirt that says "Must have a growth mindset," "Must care about your family"? On your first like, date, would you? Yeah, say? like is that like is your no. Tinder profile like? No. Don't bother contacting me if you're not like I see this on uh, Reddit all the time. Like uh, so the guy spoofed this is really funny. Like if you're not six four and you're you're not wealthy and you don't drive a nice car and like all this stuff. And like, is that obviously not those things, but do you put in your Tinder profile, like a list of things like you better have or don't contact me? That's tough. I mean, look, I haven't been in the position, so I think it's definitely hard when you get there to know and how long have you been at it for? Like if you've been doing it for three years and you still haven't found the one, but assuming it's my first time, yeah, I wouldn't let them know. Because it might be one thing, like for instance with me and you, like I was really into, you know, Greek guys, the Greek Orthodox, I knew where their family came from. You were so far out there in what I knew or understood. You didn't have Pasty White Boy? I did not have Pasty White Boy from Tacoma on my list, can you believe (laughs) it? very sad. Right, but... But there were little things I discovered about you that I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly like me. Or wow, you understand me. Like no one ever got me like that. Like the first Christmas gift we just met and the first gift you gave me was a book of art. Nobody ever... And white strips, right? No, that was, no, that was later. <laughs> but you got me that book of art. Right. Um, I had been into art for a long time and no one ever took said anything except for my mom my mom was the only one that was like wow you're you're really good and no, your ex-boyfriends really made it easy you know that right well, I mean, maybe but I, i'd never had a guy who was interested in that talent of mine that respected mm. the talent so all these things i wouldn't have known about you if i hadn't have given it a shot so you know and then on our first date me and you we just hit it off like i literally was like if i'm gonna and i remember thinking this and it's like don't be so stupid like forget it you know that's ridiculous but i remember on our first date me sitting opposite you like i was so like just in awe by you like you're so handsome and intelligent and well said and 
honest you were so brutally honest so with all these things that i didn't expect i wanted from a guy like the brutal honesty thing i never would have articulated it like that like even to the point where you made me uncomfortable you were that honest which i loved because i was like i've never been here before like you're taking me in like all these new places so again like giving things a try um, even if they don't fit the bucket, I think is so important. Even now, like we're both open to new things like scuba diving or, you know. I'm not open to scuba diving. I want to be very clear on that. Snorkeling. Or, Snorkeling, yeah. yes. But anyway, so that's, I wouldn't be so dogmatic on things with a list, but I absolutely would have my own list that I would like look at every so often. Respect. So I think we ended up in the same place. Um. All right. Let's have a look at some new questions. I feel bad that you're still having to to carry that weight whilst ill. But oh, thank that's you. my job, of course. All right. Um, this question comes from David Rupp. Hey, guys. First of all, I only started listening to the relationship theory last week and I've enjoyed it tremendously. Thank nice. you so much. My question is, how do you think your marriage affected your business? If you were starting out, would you pursue a relationship or put it on hold until you had hit a certain level of success so that you could focus on your ideas 100%? I know there are a lot of variables here, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. So in no uncertain terms, um, I would prioritize my ambition over a relationship all day, every day. You would. A hundred percent. And when you and I met, I had absolutely no interest in a long-term relationship. It was precisely because you were legally obligated to leave the country that I pursued you. Explain when you say that to people. I think people get confused because I didn't have a visa to stay. Yeah. What do you think they think? I don't know. It, it takes a second for, at least the first time you said it, it always took me a second to figure it out. Interesting. So, so yeah, because you were British, um, I knew you had to leave. You were there on a student visa, which working at a school that had so many foreign students, I knew how it worked and they had to leave. So it was super safe. So if I, you know, struck up a relationship that it was going to be four to eight weeks, that was sort of the maximum time and there would be a natural reset on the process. So And you liked that? That that was what I wanted. Yeah. I did not want a relationship. Um, I had never had a serious relationship ever. And it, like, literally... When I look at the number of people that are really, really successful, the amount of them that essentially mortgaged or sold, however you want to think about it, their 20s and sometimes their 30s to be successful, it's, it's insane. And when I look back at my own behavior, at the age of 18, I met the guy who was on the admissions committee to USC Film School, and he said, if you want to get in, get good grades. And because I actually wanted to become great at filmmaking, it was a no-brainer to take his advice. So I put my head down, and for the first time in my life, I just did the fucking work. And if you want a fighting chance against the competition, you need to be using the best technology and platforms in the world like Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. Now, I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy 
for you to start, run, and grow your business. It didn't used to be this easy. I'm telling you, back in the day, it was a lot harder. I'm so jealous. Shopify powers more than 10% of all U.S. e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly and efficiently choose Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash impact now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash impact. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. That was very much born of my ambition. My ambition necessitated I developed drive, which I did. And when I was in school, I didn't date, I didn't drink, I didn't party, like nothing. I literally just worked. And it was so rewarding and I did so well because of it that like every time in my life, every time in my life where I've totally given myself over to something and I've just poured myself into it and had a willingness to go farther than anybody else and hearing that story um, up from Jay Williams about Kobe Bryant and how, you know, he went to practice and Kobe was already on the court. And then when Jay finished and Kobe played for another like half an hour after him, this is all before the game. And he goes up to Kobe after the game where he scored 40 points. And he said, I, I just have to know, like, why did you practice for so long before the game? And Kobe said, because I had to show you that I would outwork you, that no matter how much you were willing to work, I was willing to work more. And that has just been like the the um, the magic thing that I have is the willingness to outwork my inadequacies. And I don't necessarily think about it as outworking other people. I think about it as outworking my inadequacies, that I can overcome them by throwing just a an indomitable amount of will at it. And that's always been my calling card for myself and then for the success that I've had in the world is are you willing to do that? So if I didn't know you and I wasn't in love with you, like it, it, it doesn't even compute to me. Like I'm not like when I think about what I struggle with in business, it is unequivocally one thing because I want to be alone and doing the work. I have a very hard time managing people because I can feel them pulling me away from doing what I actually want to do. And I didn't understand that at Quest and it created all kinds of problems for me. I now at least understand that. And so I'm structuring the company in a way to help me with that. And when everybody came on board, I gave the whole talk about, look, I'm a benevolent dictator, but make no mistake, I'm a fucking dictator. And so like, this is one vision. I'm going to take it all the way. I need your help because here are the things that I'm not good at and that I have no intention of throwing my time and energy at getting good at. I'm not going to be a manager. It's not what I want to do because what I want to do is become just unbelievably good at leading this 
particular company in the places that it needs to go. So that, and then I don't network because I don't relish that time because it's not like when you take Einstein at his word. So in fact, don't take Einstein at his word. Look at the studies. Up to 120 IQ, which I honestly have no idea if I have that, but let's pretend up to 120 IQ, there's virtually no difference in level of success between a 120 IQ and 180 IQ. The, the gap between 120 and 180 in terms of the ability to process raw data is so astronomically large as to almost be like not the same species. It's insanity what a difference that makes. For there to be like no difference in level of success is crazy, but that's when you realize it all comes down to then how much time and energy did they put into getting good? So for me, it's, and I brought up Einstein because he was somebody who said that, like at the end of the day, I'm not a result of particular talents. I'm a result of continuing to work like long after I felt like I'd hit a wall. So that to me is the thing that so captures my imagination is so fascinating to me is how good can I get? How much of my potential can I actually express? So my relationship to you is very much a result of falling head over heels in love and seeing a real partner in life, feeling better about myself, wanting to go on this journey with you. It was not me seeking somebody in the abstract. And then do you think that, so when we first met, like as you were talking, I was flashing back to when we first met and even then you were an entrepreneur. So you worked at this film school but you also were manager of your apartment complex so that you could get your rental really, really cheap, which I'd never heard of. But again, you were thinking about that. And you had a dark room in your apartment and you were processing your own photography and you were taking photography um, and you were doing photography for people. And I remember like even when we first started dating, I dove in and started helping you. So I was um, helping you with like I just loved photography. So you taught me how to you know kind of work the dark room and so I would try different things on your negatives and then even with your apartment complex while you were going to work I sometimes would um, take the calls of certain tenants that were having problems mm. even though they called the cops on me one day <laughs> do you remember that did he call the cops yeah because he was freaking out that I remember he, him freaking he out he said only you were allowed to be there and you sent me yeah, and then I his boyfriend the freaked out. out or he freaked out on his boyfriend so his yeah. boyfriend freaked out on me but anyway not to get derailed, but do you think that those little things were like, I immediately was like, oh yeah, I'll help you with that. Like also helped with going, okay, this is someone that actually supports me on this journey. Even though we didn't necessarily have the wording of an entrepreneur building our own business. In the most aggressive way possible, I will say yes. Like th that notion of, whoa, like I can still do all of this, but do it as a partnership, do it. Uh, with somebody who's on my team, like I, I am is for all of my talk, even in the last seven minutes for all of my talk about liking to turn inward and do the work. I really, really enjoy teamwork. I really enjoy being part of a team. So for instance, when we play video games, it is so much more fun to me to play with you and my sister than it is to play by myself by like a, a magnitude of a thousand. And I, one thing that I really like, when you're on a team, your performance matters and it affects other people. And so I love, and I never would have believed this as a kid, 
I love that pressure of I'm going to fucking show up mm. for this team. I'm going to perform at the highest level. You can count on me. So any, we haven't even talked about this. I just had this idea yesterday, this morning. Um, we're way behind in The Walking Dead. So no, no spoilers. Um, but I'm realizing now, so for years, years and years and years, I have turned off a part of my brain that paid attention to fiction, narrative, all, like literally my first love. Long before I loved you, I loved narrative, storytelling, filmmaking, all that. And I literally shut it off because it's not what my goals demanded of me. My goals demanded something else. And so I did that something else. And I'm a fucking slave to my goals. And I'm realizing now, I went to Comic-Con this weekend, that's for you guys she knew, <laughs> and uh, wow, it was, I could feel that it was the right move to go, and I went, and I went prepared, and I went all in, and it was as amazing as I hoped it would be, and I realized in doing it that my goals now were demanding something else. And so I, I think that that's gonna be um, a thing for us in the future. I bring that up because watching The Walking Dead, which really got put back on my mind at Comic-Con, and we started watching it again this weekend, um, I realized that there's a lot you can learn in that about like leadership and things like that, which um, are very important to me. And that notion, what I like in that show is the main character, Rick. Uh, yes, his name is Rick. He's responsible to the whole group. And watching that, I realized I love that. I love that so much. Having to make hard 100%. decisions. And 100%. And watching that show, first of all, I disagree with Rick at virtually every turn. But I find that um, his willingness to step up when he does, uh, is it, I'm, I'm really enjoying that because I find that particular life responsibility to be just amazing. And there was a moment with him and his wife where he makes a decision. We're really far behind. So we're like, on yeah, season we're season three. three, the very beginning of season three. Yeah. No spoilers, no spoilers. Yeah, so he, um, he makes a decision about, should I say it in case people haven't seen no, it? No, probably not. Okay, so he makes or, a decision. Yeah, she, not. the wife, doesn't necessarily agree, mm. but she doesn't put the pressure on him. And he, he says something to her like, you know, you haven't, you've said, um, you know, you haven't, you haven't said what you actually think just that you support me or right. something. And she's like, yeah, because I don't agree with you. And I kind of thought like that's really, I will definitely tell you my opinion, but in that type of situation, like you being the leader and stuff, I would definitely then back off and let you make that final decision because ultimately I know that if something happened, like if the zombies ended up coming and killing us all or killed me and I was the one that had forced you into making a decision because I was like no you like I really believe in this and you're like okay well you feel strongly fine let's do it and then they come in and kill me you would it'd be hard for you to own that decision it's interesting so do you know what I mean you're sort of lying right now what do you mean so when you would you would back me like if I said this is fucking it yeah. and we're gonna do this and then we were with the group you'd back me 100% no yeah. one would ever know that you disagreed yeah but the second we were off our right. you would harangue me until yeah, the end of time. Yeah, but that's what time. I mean. I would, I would like, say relentlessly. That. It is the one thing about your personality that I love beyond measure because I, I, I am so impressed by your ability to wade through a river of emotional punishment 
when you really believe in something and I hate at the same time because it's, it is unbelievable. Like when you believe, when, you, when you're not sure, right. you're amazing. But when you believe, mm -hmm. you won't let it go. Right. But if you then make that final decision, Which is, I would back you. hundred In, in front of the group. Right, in front that, of the group. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Like understanding that at some point you have, they have to make the decision as the leader and, I think in our relationship is very important to know that role. Yes, but and and not but yes and mm -hmm. uh, the reason I find this so interesting is we use the alpha beta language and I fall over myself when we talk about it to make sure people understand you are not submissive. Sure. Bec and and this is but one of the ways in which you're relentlessly unsubmissive like when you believe in something you are you are and i say this including myself you are the single most tenacious person i've ever met i will put myself number two well. when you fucking bite into something dude it is it's game over and i've learned over time to like recognize when like something is like gonna be that thing for you and you're just gonna go and go and go and go and go and i i love that and i so i love and i hate but the reason that i love it is because there's it's a safety mechanism because I'm not going to be able to bowl you over. And that is a wonderful thing to have somebody, you know, until I convince them and look, you're always open to being convinced and you're very rational and you're amazing at going, okay, I'm going to listen. I'm really going to take this in. And then if I'm still haven't convinced you, then you're right there back to where you were. But if I convince you, you'll move instantly and vice versa, right? So if I'm pushing an agenda, but you give me advice and I'm like, actually, that's fucking brilliant. I'm immediately going to change course. But when we're in that situation where neither of us is convincing the other person, it that helps me to know that you're never going to be bowled over. You're, you're convincible, but you're never going to be pushed around. And because of that, it lets me go hard in a way that no one else in the face... I, I get nervous sometimes because I'll come into any situation and I'll go that hard, partly just to like test people and to see like, you know, where, where is that, um, that point at which they back off. And... You're the only one I know that doesn't have a break, pathologically doesn't have a breaking point. But as a, and I think that that dynamic between us has actually really worked. Um, I know that a lot of strong women, like I'm surrounding with a lot of strong women, my mom, my sister, like they're badasses. And they're very strong in their beliefs. And I think the one of the hardest things is finding men who don't feel threatened by that or aren't then submissive and weak. And I think that as a strong woman, like I can only speak for myself, but I absolutely respond to strong men, right? Like I want you to be strong. I want you to push me. I want you to sometimes argue my beliefs because I don't know if I'm right sometimes. And then as in being pushed, it allows me to um, think through the situation and then articulate it. And if I can't articulate it, then there's something wrong in my belief system. So then that makes me go, huh, if you can't actually even explain why you think like that or why you think you're right or why you think this is the right move, then maybe you're not right and maybe you're just being dogmatic or maybe it's just internal and it's not, you know, an actual strong um, belief that you can then convince him. And so I love that push-pull between us. Um, and it doesn't make me feel 
bad about saying I'm beta. And I know that a lot of women have that struggle, especially if they've been in a relationship for a long time and then they've come out of it. And now I'm standing alone and they kind of plant the flag mm. and they're like, this is who I am. They become very dogmatic in their position. And I think that closes them off to other things, um, other you know strong men that may come along. I think that they just push them away immediately. Right. But really, I think it's important to go, that could help you be even stronger as long as they respect you. And for me and you, it's I can be very um, strong and, you know, um, concrete in my beliefs, but you'll never just back off. You'll push me until we have that conversation and then we realize, okay, who's right or who's wrong or where can we come in the middle? Where can we find that, you know, happy medium? Um, And maybe you're right and cool, now you've just convinced me, which then makes me stronger, not weaker. Right. Again, it's that kind of perspective is if I figure out during our conversation that I may not be right, instead of feeling like I've now been diminished or now I've been proven wrong and that makes me stupid or anything, it's like, wow, you've actually just enlightened me into something and now I can be stronger for it. And I can look at you as my husband as empowering me. Right. Instead of looking at it from a perspective of you've just pushed me down and you've proven me wrong. One hundred percent. So. I think at some point in there, we got off topic. I think so. I don't know. That was, yeah. All right, so a couple of shout outs. Um, Mike Burkhart from Florida. Mike Burkhart, always a contributor I know, he to the is. Impact Theory community. Mike very great Chamberlain that. from Cardiff, UK. Woo woo nice. to the Brits. Cardiff in the house. Um, and Shirley David from Israel. Nice, nice. wow. Nice. International audience today. Welcome, yeah. everybody. Um, all right, so next question. Um, this one is from Ada Lipsky. Um, Hello from Wisconsin. I'm starting to trust my instincts. However, I'm noticing that I'm blocking possibilities. Not sure what is happening. Thoughts? Ooh, I'm going to need some more detail. Blocking possibilities. She's single and possibilities of finding a relationship, perhaps. Why don't we answer it from that perspective? Okay. So main, may, Maybe like I have an instinct to do this, but I worry if my instincts are pulling me in a direction that now I'm closing the doors to other things. Well, that's a whole nother angle. That's which, how I interpret it. So if, if that's how we're going to go, I think that's critical. Shutting, right? You're in a room with a thousand doors. Your job is to shut 999 of them. Like that's the job. Um, if you're going to lead your own life, that's really what it's about. And leadership is is more about the doors you close than the doors that you open and go through. Um, and so really understanding which ones to not pursue is, is critical. And... you going back to the example that I gave earlier of having a goal and the goal was to control my art and the irony being that for essentially 15 years, so a decade and a half, I shut the door on um, writing, directing, filmmaking, all of that to focus on getting control of the resources, learning to really be an entrepreneur that can execute at a high level so that, and I look at the beginning, I didn't like really have the crystal clear vision that I have now of the need to build the actual studio ourselves. Mm. I don't want to mislead people, but following that goal of wanting to control the resources, wanting to control the resources that I could control the art. And then knowing that I had to put that other stuff aside and there was another skill set that I had to learn and being disciplined in order to do that, that was shutting doors. And that was shutting what was arguably the most difficult door for me to shut. 
And if you remember, um, sort of in the early days of that, when we did Danny, and That's I was a movie, yeah, uh, that we did together based on a play <clears throat> called Danny in the Deep Blue Sea. Um, which we could never show, even though I'm quite proud of it because it's based on copyrighted material, but it was really a good um, exercise for us behind the scenes to be building something. And I remember it was the first time in my life where I was sleeping between 30 minutes and two hours without an alarm day after day after day. It was surreal to me because I was so excited about what I was doing because that was when I was editing. I was so excited to like bring it all together um, that I, I literally wasn't sleeping. I was just that amped up about it. And still at the end of that process, realizing I have to shut that door. Well, as a relationship, let's, let's talk about that because we had bonded over filmmaking. Mm. And part of the dream when we first met was we were going to make movies. You know, for me, I wanted it like ever since I was... I don't know, 13, I had told myself I wanted to be the first female um, filmmaker to win an Academy Award for Best Director. And so I was really young with this dream, came to America, fell in love with an American who was into filmmaking. I mean, like, it was like the dream come true. Like, we were going to get into film, we're going to be excited. Thank you. Sorry, just sniffling a bit. We were going to be excited about this future of filmmaking together. Um... And we'd made this film like, oh my God, it's actually happening. Like we put our own money into it. Like this is super exciting. And then you then turned a corner and was like, I'm going to go into entrepreneurship, not into filmmaking. And that was the door you were temporarily closing. That was kind of hard for me to deal with because this was a dream that we had gotten together mm-hmm. together over, that we had bonded over, that for a few years we were really going down that path together and now you were taking a hard right. And the hard right for you was eventually to come back to filmmaking and earning money so that we could fund our own movies. But it seemed so far-fetched in that moment that I was a little heartbroken. And then that had, I had to then find my way because you'd gone hardcore into business. And so what did that mean for me? And I had to then assess, and I think that's really important because when you get together with somebody and you find somebody that you feel like you really like connect with in every element and then their passion changes or their direction changes or they they close the door to something that you were passionate, what do you do with that? And I think for me, it was important to know I had to support you no matter what. Just like taking away the selfishness of what I wanted. This is what you wanted as your partner, as your wife. I had to support you 100%. And then I had to figure out what that meant for me. But I couldn't blend the two together because that wouldn't have been fair for you. And so if that meant, okay, you're going into entrepreneurship, I went into doing photography on movie sets. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I'm still going to pursue this. And so that may take us onto different paths for now, but I need to keep following my dream. And I want to be on movie sets and I want to have more of that experience. And so I think that's really important to kind of address. Definitely. No, and I love that. And you were insanely supportive of me without losing yourself. And that was something that you really, like, you talk about the things that I sort of drew a line in the sand over. I remember on our first date, one of the things you drew a line in the sand on was, I'll never lose myself in a relationship. And I remember thinking, that's kind of, like, I had never lost myself in a relationship, so I didn't really know. But, like, you see it in enough TV and movie show, uh, TV shows and movies that 
It's like, I get this is a thing that happens to people. So for you to be like, yeah, I've done that in the past. I will never do it again. And which, by the way, is a really smart place. When you were talking earlier about, you know, when women come out of a relationship that's negative and they plant the flag and it's like never again. Um, and they're, now they're going to be dominant and assertive. I was thinking to myself, that's the wrong place to put the bright line. But I get the desire for a bright line. And now when you're talking about this, it makes me realize the bright line they should be setting is the one that you set, which is I'll never lose myself to a relationship again. That doesn't mean that I won't give myself to a relationship. Mm. Doesn't mean that I won't um, lead sometimes, follow others, find a dynamic that works in the relationship. Because I don't think it's a hard and fast, like guys always lead and, and women always follow, even when it's you know two really strong people. Um, that's certainly the only dynamic that I'm comfortable in, but it's not... That dynamic isn't comfortable for me because I'm a man. It's comfortable for me because that's internally like what's present um, and what I want for myself. But knowing that, hey, I'm not going to lose myself to this, um, I thought, all right, I respect that. Like, and isn't it interesting that even now we use the word lose? Like really you can't lose anything. You let it go. Sure. I mean, you know, we, I fall prey to using that word, but it's... it. If as long as you're conscious of it, I don't think it can happen overnight. And I think that, um, yeah, you need to kind of assess and which I think. Well, so here's an interesting thing, because I think it happens way faster than you would think for most people, because the number one DM I get has got to be, how do you find your passion? Which right. is why I'm now more and more on a tirade about like, you don't find it, you you develop it. Which like is what made me think it. of you don't lose it, you give it up. Well, but I think that most people don't have anything to give up. They don't have a sense of identity. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they want. They don't have a strong sense of, of path and course and purpose. And because they don't have that, they get swept up in, in the person who has more of that, whatever that may be. And I think that either a man or a woman could get caught up in that if they don't, like, haven't taken the time to define who they are. They haven't taken the time to create a passion. They haven't created a why. They haven't decided on something. They're still in the room with all thousand doors open, so nothing feels like them. There's no sense of identity. And when you walk through a door, it becomes part of you. It becomes part of your identity. Mm -hmm. But until you make a choice, you really don't have anything and so it'd be very easy like god can imagine for a second me as i am now getting involved in a relationship with a 23 or 24 year old that they they would just get eaten by my momentum a hundred percent and so when i think to how people that haven't taken the time to define that and create it and and really build something around that the second they meet somebody that has more momentum, more clarity, more drive, mm. first of all, that clarity and purpose is intoxicating. And if it can't be yours, it probably is more enjoyable to just get caught up in theirs. Like there's actual real um, joy in that. And I could say, and I don't even say it negatively that I would sweep somebody up. Um, but man, if then something happened to me or something happened to the relationship, they would find themselves going, who am I? right? Who am I without this person? I even think of that a lot with you. Like the thing that I would struggle the most with if you died, because we would never break up. The, the thing that I would struggle most with is who am I without you? Like I've worked hard 
to come together to to make the connective tissue between us so strong we've actively done that 100 percent. that and that is why i think that we would never break up because we've built so much connective tissue emotionally psychologically everything um but it would be hard if something happened to you to have to then it would be like losing a limb. Like you yeah, have to redefine really, everything yeah. in your life, how you function, how you get along, remapping your body. I mean, that's where phantom limb syndrome comes from. Your your brain doesn't, or your brain actually does begin to remap that, but there's still a map for it that exists. And it's, uh, I don't, don't want to derail, but I mean, it's utterly fascinating where your fingers that are missing can be like refound on your face and uh, it's just nuts. So like really understanding how to deal with that that loss and and the need to redefine remap yourself is yeah because i hear a lot from people like oh i used to love going to the gym and you know i used to work out all the time and then i met this guy or i met this woman and i just got lost in that relationship and then i didn't work out anymore i put on a ton of weight and now i have to find myself again um, I think it really is going into a relationship like what is important to you and what are the things that for you, you, you have to keep for yourself and make sure that you don't let go of those things. Right. Um, because, yeah, I mean, I think that we could have easily have got lost in, um, you know, the relationship and the whirlwind of romance. Um, but it really is important to know like you've got certain things that are just for you and you know now it's like whether you're here or whether you're not whether you're traveling or whether we're together um there is like working out right on vacation there are certain things that's like I really want to do this and you know having the support from the other person is really important and word all right we could keep going on that yeah I know we really could sure there are more questions yes all right um Okay, this question is from Nicole Dawn. I know that being independent is my only means of real success, but I perpetually struggle with desiring a partner who would protect and take care of me, as if I crave being rescued. What can I do to see myself out of this limiting compulsion? I think, and you can dive in from a male perspective, Mm -hmm. like, I get it. I think every woman wants to feel protected. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that in society now we've kind of put pressure on women to have to be standalone. Like you have to like be strong. Who needs a man, right? Like there's been, and I get it from the perspective of you shouldn't like rely on somebody else to create your own happiness. Like I think those are two separate things. But I think desiring to have somebody to support you like is completely normal. And I don't think that it has to be one or the other. I think that you can want that and you can look into seeking that. But I don't think that should define you, right? So knowing who you are, um, I think having independence, like I see myself as being independent, right? Like I go out and I can have business meetings and move the company forward and do things and move forward this, you know, heroic podcast and feel completely independent. Um, And at the same time, I want to come home to you and cuddle you and feel safe and feel secure in your arms. Like being sick, you came home early and, you know, like... From Comic-Con. From Comic-Con, he did. You brought me dinner in bed last night and it's like, that feels good as well. And I think a lot of women struggle with that. Like, does it have to be one or the other? Do I have to be so, like, independent that I can take care of myself? Now, the truth is, if you were still at Comic-Con, I would have taken care of myself. Right, like I wouldn't have felt like an um, a helpless invalid, where it's like, oh, 
what woe is me i can't right. have food and like who's gonna bring it to me like i didn't think like that i was like oh, i'll figure it out myself i'll order food on my app but you being there i then let go and allowed you to come in and take care of me um so yeah i don't think as like i think it can be a limited compulsion if you don't feel like you can be independent without having somebody um but i think being open to both is actually a, a beautiful thing I love this question and I'm insanely grateful for you to put that in the comments because um, I think especially now in this modern era, like that's become out of vogue to want that. And so my whole thing is know thyself, right? I am a filter. I am not here. I am not here to convince people to think like I think, okay? I do not believe that there is some objective standard by which people should live their lives. I mean, there are some. Um, I don't think anybody's ever going to get more enjoyment or fulfillment out of life by not having a growth mindset. I think being a dick to people is always a bad idea. So, like, sure, there are some minor things. And like you said, I think it's a really important point to... Um, not let somebody else control your happiness. I think that's a very dangerous position because I think at the end of the day, fulfillment is sort of the name of the game. Like when I say that the game you're playing is brain chemistry, that's what I'm talking about. Feeling good about yourself, um, having that confidence and all that, that's really, really satisfying. Like for you, forget anybody else. Just it will make you enjoy your life. And I think that is the point. Um, but if what you want is to feel tiny in somebody's arms and to be held and taken care of like, I've got no judgment for that. Like, hell yeah. Like, if that's what you want, like, she's saying basically, I have looked inward. I've seen a spark of interest, attraction, whatever, around this idea of being comforted, being held, being protected. Like, whatever that thing is, like, I'm definitely putting words in her mouth, but there's something around that. If that's who you are, like, own that. You can decide. You to change it for sure. And I think desire is more additive than subtractive. I don't think um, that you're going to necessarily be able to stop yourself from liking something that you like, but you could find something else that maybe gives you more emotional stability or something that you could sculpt yourself into being attracted to that. Um, so for instance, people that are, maybe they're just drawn by the way that they were raised or drawn to abusive relationships. Maybe that will always be like a spark for you. Like there's something in that personality type that you feel yourself drawn to. Fine. But knowing that it's bad for you, knowing that it makes you feel unfulfilled and less of yourself, don't let yourself go that way, point yourself in another direction. I think you can build attraction around something else, be drawn to something that's more positive. But when you look in and you see something that is, it makes you feel good, it makes you feel fulfilled, it's not detrimental to your life, like whether other people agree with that or not, I think it's totally irrelevant. So I think it's, it's wonderful that you recognize that about yourself. I think it's wonderful that you're able to say it. And I would say it's actually dangerous for you to judge yourself on that if it's not detrimental to your life in any way. And I often think about that because the attitudes that you and I have and have been working on and with for a very, very long time happen to be somewhat in vogue right now. The entrepreneurial mindset is insanely in vogue right now. And I think that a lot of that is going to fall away over time because some people are just going to wake up to the fact that while it's cool right now, it does not jive with who they really are. It doesn't mm -hmm. jive with what actually makes them feel good and secure and safe and happy and fulfilled and all that. And the world wouldn't work if even 
a majority of people wanted to be an entrepreneur, let alone everybody. So I think at the end of the day, people are driven by different things and need to turn inward and see like what little sparks they find in themselves that they want to fan and turn into something. Um, and not everybody is going to find that, that they want to be the leader. They want to be the alpha. Um, and, and literally they may love the notion male or female. They may love the notion of being held and comforted and being supported and taken care of. Um, love that. And I, I promise there's somebody out there that wants to be a caretaker and there's somebody out there that wants to be taken care of. And it's about finding that match. Yeah. Um, something you said, I can't remember what it was exactly, but made me think of this one episode of, from Oprah Winfrey. Um, she wanted a dog so badly, like her dog had just died or something. Mm-hmm. And so she really wanted a dog. So she went with her boyfriend, Stedman, to go get this dog. Now, Oprah, the most successful woman in the world, so wealthy, so, re- like, when you say real success, like, I kind of put her under the real sure. success banner. And she goes to see these, did you see this episode? You've told me yeah. about it. But so I'm, she yeah. goes to see these dogs and she goes to, like, this puppy litter and there's a bunch of them. There's, like, 10 puppies and she just falls in love and so she goes to get one and she turns to step and she's like I want all of them like can we just get all of them and in the fact that she just asked him was so cute right because here you are the most powerful woman in the world in entertainment in entertainment okay sure okay sure Angela Merkel maybe but all right fair enough but can get the whole yeah, yeah, puppy yeah. litter by like the, everything that she possibly yes, wants and turns so. to him and is like, you know, oh, I really want all of them. And he's like, no, you can't, we can't have all of them. And she's like, oh, please, like, I really want all of them. And he's like, no. And I so loved that their dynamic was of this couple who were intertwined. It was the, their life together. And she was looking to him like as like that system of like boundaries. Mm. And he's like, you can get three like maximum three I'm done at three that is it like I, I can't handle anymore so she's like okay great so she ends up getting three puppies and just I love that and I was quite young when I saw that episode mm. and it really hit me it hit me that it doesn't matter how powerful of a woman you want to be or um, can be like there is something in a security of having somebody else for some people for yeah. some people but clearly for her and I yeah. felt like I really responded to that like oh I can be successful I can be powerful but yet I can still want an alpha male and a guy in my life who also sets boundaries with me mm. right I don't think it's one side I think they've set boundaries with each other but they can set boundaries because I never responded well to guys who were beta males like oh whatever you want Lisa like I never found that attractive and so it kind of fit where I was like wow this is possible like you can have that type of relationship and um so yeah I found that very fascinating Mm, definitely all right got time for one more question all right let's do it um this is from Snezana Akovska I hope I pronounced that right. Dear Tom and Lisa, you are wonderful. Question, have you thought about the habits of or the body gestures of your partner that you have adopted as your own during the years? (laughs) Uh, I know that we do. I don't often think about them. But like when I say literally, clearly that's from you. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things yeah. that we've adopted of each other's over the years. There was one point, Schwinzy. yeah, like little things that like I do that I'm like, oh my God, I sound like him. Or other people be like, you sound like Tom. Especially right. my family will notice it. Um, or there was a f just phrases. There was that one phrase that I got um, that you were like, oh, not just a hat rack. And I yeah. was like, oh, and I, I was like, oh, from Friends. And you're like, that's from Friends? I've been saying it for 10 years. I thought it was a British thing. Yeah. I was like, no, it's a Friends thing. So you end up definitely adopting habits mm. and um, things from the other person, which I personally love. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the fun. Yeah, that's actually quite a quick answer. That was indeed. All right, so let's go with one more. Sure. All right, time. this one's from Anthony Pet. Petaros. I don't know if he's Greek. Petaros? Anthony Petaros. Hey guys, always digging your relationship theory insights. What fictional narrative, whether it be a film or novel, do you feel has done the best job of exemplifying healthy relationships, dynamics in an entertaining way? Or do you feel that people tend to be attracted to dysfunctional relationships in fictional narrative because people feed into drama and it's more relatable to the masses? I'm curious if you see your studio tackling this area in the future. We'll definitely be tackling it for sure, but you have to do it in an entertaining way. So I'm going to give you just a recent example, more than one that I think is like the end all be all. And because this is not at all what he's expecting, but I thought was quite beautiful. Um, the relationship in Logan between Wolverine and Professor X, um, who've always had a, a fascinating relationship where Wolverine is like the just insanely rebellious and pushes back against authority, but realizes that Professor X really has his best interest at heart and is trying to help him become a better version of himself. So even though he sort of chafes, he keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps coming back. And in Logan's spoiler-ish alert, um, basically Professor X it has the the psychic, the mutant equivalent of Alzheimer's disease. And so he's taking care of him in his old age. And, you know, for somebody who is um, very much the sort of rogue, independent guy, to see him put himself in harm's way to try to protect Professor X, um, I thought was beautiful. And is, is very... Um, in, in, so I'm oh God, like, I have this really bifurcated educational path right now where I'm really um, giddy, to use the most accurate word, about solving your microbiome issues. Um, so I'm, I'm just going really, really hard on that and realizing how many, like, it was sort of less than obvious to me, like, how ever present chronic illness has become. So I've always thought, obviously, about obesity and um that but god like just so many things are chronic and however present like alzheimer's disease is now in a way that it wasn't 20 or 30 years ago i mean it's really really escalated rapidly so it it's so of the moment it's such a beautiful relationship it's between two guys i don't know i just found that like there's something so beautiful about humans when they look out for each other mm -hmm. that have shared history. I mean, you know my obsession with shared history and how that to me just trumps everything. It trumps beauty. It trumps sexual attraction. It trumps just anything. Like there's nothing to me as unbelievably rare and precious as shared experience over like a long period of time. So for that movie to play that out, I found to be really, really wonderful. Yeah, and... 
I kind of, I know this is a little like obvious, I guess, um, but whenever you ask me what my favorite movie is, my always go-to is The Notebook. Mm. And I don't know if it's actually my most favorite movie, but it's the relationship between the husband and wife that even though she's lost her memory, even though he is like on a daily basis almost having to relive like, no, this is who I am. Like, it's that shared history that mm. no one can replace, right? Like, it's with me and you. No one can take away what we've done thus far. No one can take away what we've been through and what we've done together. And it's that understanding and that, like, just internal bond that no one else can take away is so meaningful and so um, precious to me that when I think about us getting old together... Um, and, you know, obviously we work really hard on making sure that, like, we understand the brain and how to prevent that and how it's plaque. And, you know, now aren't they calling Alzheimer's type Diabetes type 3, yeah. Yeah, diabetes type 3. So making sure that we're at least doing the research and reading up to prevent that. Um, God, like, that notion of getting old with you and having gone through all the struggles, all the strifes that they have gone through in their relationship. Obviously ours isn't exactly the same, but knowing that we will be together forever and we will fight through no matter what difficulty, whether it's Alzheimer's or not, like that belief that I have so strongly that is reflected in that movie, like just captures me in a way that no other film has. I hear that. So I think, you know, movies... and But going off what he said actually is very interesting about, um, about do you feel that people tend to be attracted to dysfunctional relationships and fictional narratives because people feed into drama and it's more relatable to the masses? Well, so, I mean, conflict is what drives narrative. So, yes, there's going to be a lot of dysfunction portrayed... But you can get secondary things in um, in good movies. I was going to say drama, but in good movies or TV shows, which I actually found myself more drawn to TV shows. We were just talking about that, which I never would have believed uh, 20 years ago. But um, because it doesn't have to be the, the driver of the narrative. It can be something that's off to the side and is a key part of it. So I think that that allows them to explore more than just dysfunction. But... If it's a movie about relationship, there has to be some sort of dysfunction. Otherwise, um, you there's no narrative. There's no right. motion. There's no movement. There's really nothing to pay attention to. It's not fun to sit in a room and watch two people get along, right? So, um, in fact, one of the comments that we hear all the time about relationship theory is people love seeing how we disagree because we do it in a respectful manner and, you know, on and on. But if we were just up here like, oh, my gosh, yes, you're right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's far from the truth. Right. It wouldn't. A, but even if it was the the truth, it's not as interesting, right? If if two people in any relationship, business or otherwise, um, think the same, one of you is irrelevant. So, do you think that that relationship actually exists though, where people just agree all the time, like no. genuinely agree, versus someone's like, oh, it's not worth arguing about. Fine, yeah, and you no. don't always think about it; it just becomes second nature. You don't think about what debating the person. Yeah, like, no, just I, being agreeable. I don't think anyone ever agrees all the time, ever, right. not once. Right. Yeah. But some people do thrive off the drama, even in relationships. Look, drama queens is like a whole nother thing. And I actually find it pretty fascinating because I think I understand, I do understand exactly why drama queens exist. I understand why people are drawn to drama because it's heightened and humans, for whatever reason, just love anything that's heightened. They love the alteration of brain chemistry, good, bad, 
They just don't want indifferent. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's interesting. It's why people love like a juicy bit of gossip. It's why people, some people really thrive in just abusive relationships or certainly toxic relationships because it's, it's the ups and downs and it's just all over and it's the manic highs and the, you know, depressive lows and just, it makes you feel alive. It's why people like, I cut myself just to see if I still feel pain, right? It's a line from a nine inch nail song or that's a paraphrase, but you know, it's like, that, that on the surface is an absurd way to find out if you still feel something. Why don't you tickle yourself, right? So, but people really do hurt themselves just to see, just to feel something, to have some sort of exhilaration, even if it's entirely mm-hmm. negative. And they talk about kids that can't get attention will rebel because negative attention is better than no attention at all. So people just love the heightened. The one thing they can't stand is just milk toast. All right. All right. And on that note, I think uh, we at that end. We at that end. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you haven't already gone to shop.impacttheory.com to check out the new Elemental T-shirts, be sure to do so. Couples that rep together stay together. Aww. So uh, I would dap you, but I'm not touching your sick little hands. Uh, guys, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. I definitely treat my wife. Actually, I used to treat you much more like a leper. I gave you all kinds of tickles last night to help you fall asleep. You did. You slept so. in the other room, but that oh, is important because yeah, yeah. we can't taint no need to the whole company. Just intentionally get the other person sick. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining us. If this added value, please do share it. Share it aggressively. Get as many people to watch this as humanly possible. Uh, we are here to um, add value to your lives, to build a studio, and hopefully pull as many people out of the matrix as humanly possible. But to do that first, we must build a community. So thank you, guys guys so much for participating we are very very grateful before you do your last sign off the one thing i also want to know is what times do you guys prefer us doing this because some oh, people we have said a they, secret agenda over yeah, there some people so we start at 10 a.m yep, um, pacific, time. pacific time but some people have said they actually prefer the 1 p.m um so drop in the comments below um we maybe do a poll or something because we want to make sure that and if not 10 or 1 what other time might be yeah. amazing all right now you can do your sign perfect off. all right If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Later. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.